the home verse for us today. It'll seem a little bit off, but we'll get there. We'll get to explaining it. Um, Job 38 and 2. Um, if, you, if you have your Bibles, open up to Job 38 with me. Uh, if you have an app, uh, you can pull out your phone, unlock your phone, and, and begin to navigate through your app, Twitter finger to your app uh, for Job 38. If you do not, don't worry. We have it up on the screen for you to see Job 38 and 2. Um, through seven. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens my counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements. Surely you know. Or who stretched out the line upon it? On what, on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? I want to pray before we start. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that, that you have decided to speak through, to us, Lord God, through history, Lord God, and Lord God, as you have brought together the words, Lord God, of, of, of people that you have inspired to tell your story. God, I pray, Lord God, we, that we would be impacted today by your word and your word alone, Lord God, as you speak to us, Lord God. I pray that it would draw us near to you, God. I pray, Lord God, that you would reorient our understanding of everything that we come in contact with, Lord God. Help us to see it through the lens that you made us to see it. Help us, Lord God, to see you, Lord God, and, and not ourselves or not our situations. Do that in us, Jesus. Amen. How you guys doing? Good, good. I know nobody asked because it would be weird for you to ask me. I'm doing okay. <laughs> um, I wasn't this summer. Uh, some of you guys had, had noticed that. Um, if, if you caught me at the right moment, I might have told you. Um, I didn't try to publicize it. Uh, but I, I know that some of you noticed because you held my, my hand in a handshake a little too long as, as, we, as, as we greeted each other. And you know somebody's concerned about you when you say, hey, man, how's you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. No, no really. How, how are you doing? How, how's your mama? <laughs> Everything okay? And so I, I've noticed that you guys have, have, some of you guys have noticed that I was, I was, I was going through this summer. And, and, um, and I think... The, the thing that um, really got to me this summer was that some of my hopes went in a different direction. They, they didn't go as I planned. And so when I asked, um, I'm a little bit distracted because my phone is ringing. Uh, when I asked uh, Shannon to um, get up and speak this summer, I had a plan and I was going to talk about conflict resolution and I had this whole thing with Paul. And I'm sure it would have been good because God's word is good but my head wasn't there this, this summer. The, 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 the thing that I kept asking myself this summer, in spite of all that God had done and, and you know, some bad things happened, but bad things have happened to me before, but I couldn't figure out why I couldn't be satisfied with where I was. I was dissatisfied with my plot in life. And, and my, my wife sings this song um, every now and again out of the blue. She has this, this beautiful, heavy alto. 
right? Like her, her voice sits on top of these notes. Um, and, and so she, when, when I'm in pain, I go back to music. And so she, she, she sung, sings a song from Diana Ross, and it says, do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Where are you going to? Do you know? Do you get what you're hoping for? When you look behind you, there's no open door. What are you hoping for? Do you know? Now, the song is nice enough. It's beautiful in my wife's voice. Diana Ross sung it. I'm not a Diana Ross fan. Aretha Franklin just passed. Rest in peace. I wish she would have sang that song. <laughs> but um, the, 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 the thing about that song is it has never hit me before. Like, I'm a music lover. That's one of my wife's songs. I don't deal with that song. But this summer, those questions really impacted me. I didn't know what I was hoping for anymore. The, the, the life punched me in the mouth, and I didn't know what to do from there. Like, like there's a, a saying, you know, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> right? I think it's Mike Tyson says that. Um, and he would know. He would know. He punches a lot of people in the mouth. Um, and maybe you're like me. Maybe... The, the reason why I wanted to, 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 to bring this before you instead of, you know, conflict resolution was because as God was bringing me out, I, I, I thought about all the people that I've come in contact in the past and given bad advice. And I just kind of, I, I wanted to address what do we do when we can't find satisfaction in it? I really wanted to take that head on. And so may, maybe you're, you're, you're in that same place where where. You can't figure out why this matters right now. Or, or maybe you're just coming, kind of crawling your way out of that, and God's putting a rear guard behind you, and he's trying to keep you from going back into that, right? So you can learn this lesson and keep moving. Or maybe, maybe this is around the corner, and God is, 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 is giving you an indication of how you can make it through your dissatisfaction. And so... The, the hardest part about dissatisfaction is clawing your way back out of the hole that it presents you. And, and I, like I said before, like I'm a music guy. I am. Like I, I love music. And so when, when I find myself in, in, in bad spots, I go back to gospel music. Man, I grew up on gospel music. I grew up in a church where gospel music was sang. And gospel music is kind of like, like blues, right? It it, it speaks to you right where you are, or, or Southwestern. Some of you guys like country. I don't like country. Country is pop with a twang, but Southwestern, before they start changed it into country, when it was like Johnny Cash, I love that stuff, right? Because he would speak to exactly where you are. There was no difference between the, the, the song and, and the feelings you had. The worst thing you can have is, is singing a love song and you just broke up. Right? It's just this feeling of discord inside of you. Gospel music speaks to where you are. But then the thing I love about it more than blues is that it takes you somewhere. And it brings you to, to a hope. And so this summer, man, I, I, went, I went into, my, I went into my, my, my crate and tried to find all the songs that really could help bring me out. And the, the, one, the one song that I love the most when I'm going through is Donnie McClurkin's Stand. Y'all need to understand, I've been crying to this song since I was 14. Okay? 
This is going to sound weird. This is going to be a weird image. But I have a bathtub worth of tears invested into the song. All right? I have a lot invested into the song. And so when, whenever I'm going through, I, I go back to the song, and it gives me strength. And, and the, the song says, after you've done all you can, after you've done all you can, after you prayed and cried, prayed and cried, prayed and cried, prayed and cried. If you don't believe the song goes like that, listen to it. He, he says the same thing over and over. After you've done all you can, just stand. And then when, 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 after he said that a bunch of times, his last time saying, says it, saying it, he says, after you've done all you can, just stand and be sure. So I listened to the song, man, and oh, it got my, my, my blood flowing. And then the next week happened. And after I did all I could, I crumpled. <laughs> and I was uncertain, <laughs> right? If I, was, if I was trying to protect my manhood, guys, I, I would tell you that I tapped out. Like, I, oh, I was, I was struggling with life and I tapped out. Ah, oh, sounds good. Now, what would probably be closer to the truth is that I curled up into a ball stuck my thumb in my mouth, and I probably literally said the words wham, all right? <laughs> so the, I, the, there was nothing in me that could stand against the tide of not being satisfied. All the fight was taken out of me. And, and see, the, the, the reason is, is that satisfaction is the core human motivation for life. Satisfaction is the core thing that motivates us. And I know some of you, you guys are like, all right, man, where are you going with this? Uh, what, kind of, what kind of sermon is this? We, we're a redeemer church. <laughs> right? I'm going to go a step further. Satisfaction should be the thing that motivates you. Satisfaction should, should get you up in the morning. Satisfaction should send you to your knees in prayer before God. If you're not satisfied, man, and, and you, you can't get satisfied, it makes you want to throw in the top. And, and, and see, I would say that biblically, when, when Jesus is talking about the good life, he is, he is talking about satisfaction. When he says, I came to give you life and life more abundantly, he is talking about your satisfaction. Some of you guys are like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm about to be out. Stick with me. This is, not, this is not your best life now, right? You can, you're, you're, you can cover up your, cover, uh, your, your pocketbooks. I'm not going to ask for money in a second, all right? But let, let's, let's look at what the Word says about satisfaction. Isaiah 58, 11 says, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desires in sports places and make your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Look, when the rubber meets the road, God, God motivates us to say, look, your hope is that you will be satisfied. Psalms 107, 8-9. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul. And the hunger, hungry soul, he fills with good things. 
the, the writer of Psalms, I didn't check to see if it was David or not. I'm sorry. But the writer of Psalms, this Psalm, is saying, look, the reason why you go to God in thanks is because he satisfied you. You're motivated to thank God because the satisfaction that he's given you. In Isaiah, and I'm, I got two more verses here. Isaiah 52, I mean 55, verse 2. He says, verse 1 and 2, Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. I, I thought you said there was no money. Without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Now this verse finds its ultimate expression in Jesus in John 6.35. Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. See, Jesus' appeal to us is that he will satisfy us forever. Let me start by saying what I don't mean by satisfaction. What, what I don't mean by satisfaction is, is just being unsatisfied makes, means um, being uncomfortable. That's not what I mean. I'm not, I'm not talking about health, health, wealth, and blessing. It's not what I'm talking about. Um, if, if you've ever really been dissatisfied, you know that if you have the biggest house, and everything that people tell you that you're supposed to have, you're supposed to, you're, uh, uh, kids who obey, um, thank God for that, <laughs> right? Um, no matter if it's, if it's a job that you're satisfied in or, or, or that, or that you, you dreamed of, I should say, um, no matter if it's, if it's a healthy body, if you really have encountered dissatisfaction, you'll realize that those things are dark, background or a gray background to the, the, the dark center of yourself that says, what is the meaning of all? I, I have a good wife, but this summer, man, it didn't matter. My wife is amazing. I love my girls to death. They, they get that obedient thing about half right, <laughs> right? They're amazing. But they, they didn't fill me up with satisfaction. Man, I, I work here at this church. This is my dream job. My dream job. But I was unsatisfied with it because everything black was bleak in the background. See, when, when, when you're satisfied, you're like a hurdler. If you talk to a, a, a hurdling coach, what, what they'll tell you, they'll, 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 they all have this weird phrase. I've talked to a bunch of them. My whole family runs track. They have this weird phrase. They'll, they'll come up to you and they'll be like, you know hurdlers don't jump a hurdle, right? They hurdle a hurdle. Now, I, that didn't make sense to me. I don't understand what that means. You just to use two synonyms to say the same thing. Um, but what they mean is the obstacle that they come to when you are satisfied, when you are doing what you're supposed to do, that obstacle is they have a plan for it. Their feet come off of the ground and they go right back on the ground. 
So you can run into problems when you are satisfied and that doesn't shake your world. When you're unsatisfied, it is the, your obstacle is not a hurdle, it's the end of a cliff. And you don't know when your, your feet will hit the ground again. You're unmoored. That's unsatisfaction. And so it's not just rainbows and roses that I'm talking about. Let, let me give you a working definition of what satisfaction is. Satisfaction is when expected outcomes match your experience ends. I'm going to say that again. Ex satisfaction is when your expected outcomes match your experience ends. We can, we can see this when we eat, right? If you eat, you expect, man, I, I want to leave with good food. I, I want it to taste well in my mouth. And then I want it to satisfy my hunger. I don't want to be hungry in 30 minutes. That, to the two women in the background, my daughter and my wife, that's why I don't like Chinese food. I'm hungry again in 30 minutes, right? It does not satisfy me. But, but satisfaction can be found when the, the expected outcome matches your experience in. And so when, when your actions and your, and your attitudes uh, on life, when all of those things line up with what you expect out of life, and, and when you spend 20 years on a job and you give a company your loyalty, what you expect in the end is that they allow you to retire and not hire some younger person for, for less money. When, 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 you're, when, when, you, when you raise a child and you raise them up in the way of God and you spend time with them answering all the inane questions that children are apt to ask about God, right? Like when, 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 when they ask for the sixth time, was God born? And you're like, no, God wasn't born, he was God, right? You expect at the end of all things, when, when, when you have inputted into that child over and over again, who God is as a, as a trinity, you expect when they leave your household to be Christian people who do not rebel against the ways of God, but embrace the Lord into their life. That would be a satisfying end. So what happens when we don't see that? What happens when, when you spend your life praying to God about your body, taking care of your body, not putting sugar in there, and you end up with a disease, when you end up with cancer. It's not, it's not satisfying. And, and it's not just, I, I, think, I think sometimes we as Christians want to give a trite answer to this, right? We want to set the, side, the person aside and say, you know, there will be bad things that will happen. That you, you know, God will get you ready for the, the bad things that will happen in your life. And this, everything's not okay. And, and that, that, I didn't mean to say that. Everything is, is not always going to work out how you want it to. But li listen, not everybody who is struggling with tragedy has a problem with tragedy. Sometimes it's the issue of satisfaction, right? We can see the opposite of this when we watch a film about war, right? When we watch a war film that, that, um, that, that there's a, 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 like Saving Private Ryan, where, where everybody in the movie dies except one person. I, if, if you haven't watched Saving Prime Ryan, I'm sorry for the spoiler. It's been, what, 20 years? <laughs> right? Um, so so we, we, we watch that movie and we're satisfied with the ending because it was tragic that those people died, but they, they died with meaning. When, when a mother 
dies for her children. And we think that's tragic. But it's satisfying because we know that that mother gave her life for those kids. It's not just an issue of tragedy. It's an issue of satisfaction. We want to see meaning out of it. And so that brings us to that weird verse that we read in the beginning. That, that, that weird verse where, to be honest with you, I, when I was a kid, I read that verse and it was the most unsatisfying verse in the Bible. Right? It, it happens in, the, in Job's life, right? The, the, the book of Job is about a man who God says is righteous and faithful in prayer. Right? It happens in his life, and, and God sees him and says to the adversary, hey, have you considered Job? Right? And so it's, it's kind of like this, this book is a math equation. Right? We're given certain information that doesn't allow us to come to any other conclusion. We know that, one, Job is faithful. It says so in, in, in Job 1.1. It, it talks about him being, have you considered my servant Job? We know that Job was prayerful. Look, Job was so prayerful. If you go back and read um, Job 1 and 2, he said that he would regularly, the, the, the author says that he would regularly get his children together to pray for them, not for what they did, but for what they might have done. He covered all possibilities. No one could say that Job was not a praying man. And then in verse, verse 1 and 8, which I, I, I didn't put on the slide, um, it says that Job was righteous. And so these are the givens of any math. And, and some of you guys are good at math. Some of us, we, we struggle at math. I was one of those in-between guys. I was good at what I was good at. Geometry kicked my tail, right? I was not good at that. And so they would give givens for the, the equation, right? The equation would start with x, the, if the given is x equals such and such. And if x equals such and such, then what does y mean? What is y? And so in, in, in the equation of Job, we're trying to figure out by, by, by if we, we look at Job and the people who are speaking through to him, we're trying to figure out what is the cause of J, Job's pain. We're trying to figure out why he is going through what he is going through. And so there's this, there's this idea through the wisdom books, right? As Job is in, in the wisdom book, there's this idea of, in the wisdom book of the retribution principle. It's a big word for just meaning you reap what you see. And so they have been trained to believe you reap what you sow, and that's true. It's in, in Proverbs, over and over again, we're told, you reap what you sow. What you put out, you will get back. Now, Job sticks out like a sore thumb in this because the question in, in Job is, has he reaped what he has sown? And so that brings us to the question of the equation of this, uh, of, of Job. And so we, we, we look at, I, I, his, his friends have a bunch of different explanations why Job is experiencing hell. They, they, they explain it in many different ways. And I, 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 I picked out three that, that, um, that speak to our modern context. The first one is a guy named Elu. 
And, and it says, God is good minus my past sins, Job's past sins, equals Job's pain. The reaping what you're sowing, right? So God, if God is good and Job has sinned, then, then that is the reason for Job's pain. But this guy is a, a bad student, right? Because the given says that Job didn't sin, right? The given says what we were given, the, the, thing, the information we were given in the beginning was that Job was righteous. Job was faith. The, the next one is God is good minus Job's possible sin equals Job's pain. This one is like God, God is testing Job. But this isn't true either because, because Job faithfully covered every possible sin. Every time that, 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 that he would get together with his family, he would pray over all of them. And he would ask, hey, can, can we pray about any sin that you possibly could have committed? So, so this isn't the problem. This isn't the, the reason for Job's pain. The third one comes from Job. Because a- after Job has, has struggled and heard his friends talk over and over again about the reasons for his pain, he says, you know what? God is good, but God is ignoring me. That's the reason for my pain. And some of us, a lot of us, find us, ourselves here. A lot of us find ourselves not blaming God, but blaming our worth. That God doesn't see us as worthy, and so he has abandoned us to our pain. That brings us back to what we read in the beginning, that, that unsatisfying scripture. The reason why it's unsatisfying is because Job is asking God. He's asking God after his kids have died. He's asking God after his body has been wrecked with disease. He is asking God after all of his wealth has been eaten away by, by being stolen and burned. He is asking God, why did this happen to me? Why did you choose to do this to me? Was it because of my sin? If it's because of my sin, then tell me. God, if it's, if it's because I might sin someday, I thought I had that covered, but tell me I'm okay with that. But what I really think it is, God, I think you abandoned me. So he charges up God, and God's answer to him does not answer that question at all. Right? What, what God says in response to him is, where were you when I, when I made the world? What, 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 what measurement did, did we take when we did it? And, and when, I was, when I was a kid, I, I could never understand, God, how is that an answer? How is I'm big and you're small an answer? Right? How is, how is that an answer to his question? Because God wasn't answering Job's question. He was dealing with a different equation, right? He was reorienting Job to a different reality. And what what God was saying is God is good plus Job's life equals God's glory. This was, if, if you center the equation around self and make satisfaction about whether I'm in pain or not or whether whether what I ex- my expected outcome is ending in my experienced end, 
is based around whether or not you are comfortable or you are uncomfortable. That is, is, is the wrong, it's, it's, the, it's the wrong equation completely. There's a, there, there's a book that I love, and they made a movie out of it, and they ruined the book as they usually do, right? So there, there was this book called, um, called I Am Legend, and it's an amazing book. This book is, is really, really good. In the movie, it's Will Smith. I like him. But, but Will Smith in the movie is the hero, and you're like, yay, he sacrificed himself for his friend. Yay! In the book, it's completely different. In the book, what happens is we see the, the main character go and he's killing all of these vampires. He's going after these vampires. But when we get to the end, he realizes that while he's been going from house to house, killing all the vampires, that he's the only human left. And he's their dragon. He's the villain of the story. Now, I'm not saying we're villains. But I'm also saying that we're not the heroes of our story. We're not even the main character. And so this, everything that you go through, whether it be sickness, whether it be your kids, has less to do with your comfort and more to do with God's glory. And you stretching and putting yourself out there for his glory. So that's easy to say. That's, that's real easy to say. If you had said that to me at the beginning of the summer, I would have said, oh, that's, I appreciate that. Thing. All right, thank you. All right. I'm not talking to them again. I'm, uh, but I, I would know it's true, right? We, we know logically that it's true that our stories are centered around God, but it's hard to get from pain to God's glory. So with the rest of the time we have left, nobody gave me a, so we could be at an hour and a half right now. I don't know. Um, I want to. I want to. I want to go over how do we get from how do we get from a, a place where we we are the main character in our story and what we experience is based around what we see, right? Our own experience. So I want to um, read to you Job 42. Job's answer after God has said, "I'm big and you're small." This is Job's answer to him. Job 42 and 2, then, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will, I will question you and you make it known to me. That's the exact opposite of what God said to him. I had heard you, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see. And I want you guys to pay attention to this verse. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. So we see Job's way of reorienting himself to God's glory and not his. Because what God says in, in, verse, in, in, in chapter 38 is, this is not about you, it's about me. Right? You weren't there. I was, right? Because this is my glory. This earth I made for my glory, right? And so Job's response to that is to be humbled first. That's how we can change the main character in our mind of who the, the story is about. First, we need to be humbled. In verse um, 42 and 2, he was 
He was humbled by standing in awe of who God was. Look, there is a reason why we have to count our blessings. Because oftentimes we forget what God has done. And so the story we tell is the last minute, the last, the last two hours, the last couple of days, right? That's the story we tell ourselves. Instead of going back to God and having, having him tell us the story of how he brought us out of darkness into his marvelous life. Get around some friends, some Christian friends. Get around your, your, our, our Christian community here and start talking about, witnessing about what God has done for you. Be in awe of God. And when you're in awe of God, it takes the focus off of you and puts it on him. The second one is, is be humbled by seeing your own deficiencies. He's, he says, man, I, I didn't know. I had no idea. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to, to make myself smaller. I, I, therefore, I despise myself right? He was humbled by seeing his own deficiency. Understand where you're limited. Understand where, where you do not have the full view of the whole issue. Understand where you, where, where you fall short of God and his ultimate goodness for your life, that you don't understand what is coming around the bend or why it's coming around that you might not have meaning in your life. You might not have the full answer, but, but there might be someone who watched your struggle, who it saved them from heaven. There might be someone who, who, looks, who looks up to you, who helps to bring salvation to person after person after person as they preach the word of God. Be humble and know your difference. The second, second one is, is that Job repented. So we, we should repent of our individualism. Repent of being self-centered. When oftentimes we see the world is revolving around us, right? And we have to go to God and say, you know what, I'm sorry for seeing through my eyes and not yours. The second one is, is repent of holding, God's, uh, holding your judgment above God. So this is what happened with Job. He said, you tell me, God, because I'm a good judge. There's no way you're going to win this case. But in, instead, God's answer to him was, you have no right to think. So when you are facing the trials of your life and you're looking for satisfaction, don't try to judge God and say, there's no way. There's, there, there's no way that this should be happening to me now. The, the last one is repent of finding satisfaction in what God has given instead of who God is. And this one, this one hits me hard. Because oftentimes, not necessarily material things, but we are able to see meaning. We are able to give sacrifice when we have a lot. But, but when life hits us in the mouth, we crumble and are uncertain. And, and there's, there's one more thing that um, I, I think even before repentance, even before humility, Job was primed for this moment. He, he could have heard God and still been rebellious. But he makes a statement about halfway through, verse seven, I mean, chapter 17. He says, I know 
my Redeemer lives. And so oftentimes we, we, we haven't gotten to the place of repentance and we haven't got to the place of, of being humbled. But do you know, are you certain that your Redeemer lives and that he can lead you back to repentance and that he can lead you back to humility? Because we have our perfect example of being humbled and repenting in, in, in Jesus. When, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, God, if, if you can take this cup from me, take it. But nevertheless, your will be. Jesus in that moment humbled himself to allow his life to be centered around the Father. Giving us the example of, of centering around the Father. He pitched a perfect game and lost his life. And so, even, even as, if, if you try to just humble yourself, it's not going to work, right? We don't have that humbling ability just to do it on our own. If, if you try just to pull out of the air, I'm going to repent of some things, but don't change your heart, which is hard, which is impossible. Nothing's going to change. But if instead you rely on what Jesus did that day, because he did it perfectly, and allow the Holy Spirit to move in your heart because of what he did, you too can know your Redeemer lives. You too can be humbled by the awe of God. You too can repent and be centered about it. You can move from being satisfied with what life has shown you. You can be moved from being satisfied with life, with where you're going, and move to being satisfied with who God is and what he has done for you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for all that you have done. I thank you, Lord God, that my satisfaction, Lord God, cannot be found in anything, Lord God, that I, I, I do, God, or any outcome that happens, Lord God, but instead, when I, I experience your glory, God, not my own experience, but your, when I experience you being glorified, God, that is when, that is when, Lord God, I can find true satisfaction. When I find myself defined by you, Lord God, and I find myself motivated by you, when I find myself looking to you for everything, do that for us, God. Allow us to be satisfied by what you did on the cross. Allow us to be satisfied by your great creation. Allow us to be satisfied by you. In Jesus' name I pray.